Welcome to Alaska's Political Pipeline Podcast, the post-election edition. Rebecca Paulsha joins me. Hello. I'm David Bernkoff, and this is a podcast where we will talk all things Alaska politics and also governmental things as we move closer to a legislative session <laughs> uh, next year. We'll be talking about it all. But right now we want to talk about what happened on election night and what is going to happen in the next couple of weeks. And we have a math lesson for you. <laughs> People love math. People love math. You know, Arby's may have the meats, but we got the maths. So I worked on that line all day. Uh, you covered, you were mm -hmm. out covering the congressional race and you spent some time with the two current leaders, Representative yep. Peltola and the number one challenger at this stage of the count, Sarah Palin, what was that like? That was, ooh, talk about a long day. <laughs> so uh, we knew Palin would be sign-waving, as is the tradition before our elections. Um, she showed up at the Sears Mall um, to talk to her supporters around 3, 3.30, I believe. And she was in a good mood. Uh, she stopped and talked to reporters and there was a big group of us, some of them, I'm not sure who they were, but she was in a good mood. I did not get the, uh, impression that she felt, uh, super confident. Although now she's on Facebook saying she feels like she's victorious and has picked out a chief of staff. Did you see uh, what happened the next day? Which one? The Chief of Staff. Jerry Ward. Jerry Ward sent out a correction. Oh, I didn't see the correction. Saying... He'll only be the chief of staff if she wins. Oh, it interesting. Wasn't, there's nothing to be chief of staff of yet. <laughs> well, she was talking about flying to D.C. the next day to start meeting with leadership. So She can fly anywhere she wants, yeah. and she has a chance to win. We'll mm -hmm. go through that math. It's a tough one, but she could still win. Yeah. So that was interesting. It was cold, and um, uh, we were out there for a long time with her. And then we went to had live hits and then went to the Peltola party at the 49th State for the results to come in. And were those people happy that night? They were. They were. You know, the funniest thing was, you know, we started live hits around nine. And because they had national news up, I don't think anybody knew for quite some time that she had pulled ahead. There was like no change in the room whatsoever. And then, you know, like 30 minutes later, there was a change in the room. You could feel like people had finally seen that she had pulled ahead and she came downstairs after that. It's interesting the way the votes were dumped here. The first group of votes was roughly 25% of what they expected. And then the next got it up to like 48% and then up to like 75%. So they weren't, votes don't trickle in here. They come in large, large batches, batches yeah. and it can change pretty dramatically. So that was a closer mm -hmm. race, seemed a closer race uh, than it ended up. And then the opposite happened in the Senate race. Yeah. I think the majority of us went to bed that night thinking – that Shabaka was really, really far ahead. And then uh, one of our uh, digital producers said that at 2 o'clock, more numbers came down. So it was a much different morning, you know, Wednesday morning, than it was when everyone went to sleep Tuesday night. And there's still votes to be counted. I was trying to get a handle on this, and I admit failure. How many absentee uncounted votes remain? It seems as if it's in the thousands. That could change things, Uh it might not change them dramatically, but it will change the numbers. And maybe it we don't know who it will help because we don't know where those votes are from, except 
that apparently a substantial number of them are overseas military ballots that come in kind of late, and they can come in for another at least week, I believe, mm -hmm. maybe 10 days. Uh, so when people say we should know who the winner is, there's still votes that haven't even come in yet. Yeah, it's not until the day before Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. for those military for the, ballots, yeah, that's right. For everything, yeah. That's right. And uh, then the governor's race, I guess that went the way the polling showed it, which was that yeah. the current incumbent, Mr. Dunleavy, um, was going to be very close to winning without having to go to another second-ranked choice. And right now, he's got 52% of the votes counted, so he's above what he would need to not have to go to ranked choice voting, but I guess there's, again, still some chance that absentees could change that. Uh, the Democrats, Les Guerra, is in second now, 23%, and Independent Walker is in third with 20%. So that's 40. Between them, they only have 43% of the vote. So that's, that's a tough, again, tough for one of them mm -hmm. to catch up, and it's might not even get to that stage. Uh, one thing I, you know, we, we went through a math problem, <laughs> as I said, on the Peltola race. Um, and I want to sort of go through that because I think it's interesting and explains why the Republicans spent so much effort in the last couple of weeks on the rank the red rank effort. The red. Because right now, as of this moment of recording, and we don't expect anything to change in the next week. Uh, Peltola has 47% of the vote, Palin 27%, and Nick Begich 24%. Peltola's leading by 44,400-some votes. Palin is leading Begich by 5,108 votes. So very tough for Begich to get in a second. But also, when you look at the votes that are out there, and we did the math, and again, this problem will change as more votes come in, but as of right now, Sarah Palin would need to get 80, almost 80% of all of the votes that Nick Begich and Chris Bai, the fourth place finisher, got. That's so high. That is, again, not impossible. Mm -hmm. And there was a concerted effort to rank the red and get people who voted for Begich to vote Palin second and vice versa. But it should be noted the first time around in the special election, almost like roughly 20% of Begich's voters didn't even pick a second choice. If that happens this time, it's almost mathematically impossible for Palin to catch up. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. They, you, they're, the effort to rank the red after that special election was noticeably different. And even this time we asked Palin, did she vote for Begich? And she said she had... Uh, I think it was like she said it went against her competitive spirit, but that she had picked him second. Both of them still kind of took shots at oh, each absolutely. other, even after saying rank the red. It was, uh -huh. it never was like a thing that either of them were comfortable with. It no. didn't seem. And he's always said rank the red, and this is her, kind of her first big effort. And so that was interesting. But he took a shot at her. Oh, at he the absolutely same time. did. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not the message that goes out is sort of. Rank the red, but we don't really like each other. <laughs> so that's a strange way if you're really trying to rank the red. Uh -huh. But we'll see. It is, again, I, 
I caution everyone that while a huge lead exists for Peltola, there is a big enough pool of Republican voters who could put more likely Sarah Palin than Nick Begich into office when it's all counted mm-hmm. on November 23rd. And that would make the Palin family quite happy at Thanksgiving, I guess. <laughs> and it would surprise a lot of people because it is a tough, tough number to hit. Um, one other thing I want to talk about. We spent a lot of time covering the Constitutional Convention vote. Right. It seemed like something that was going to be closer. Both sides Oof. acted like it was going to be closer. Uh-huh. It wasn't close. It wasn't close. <laughs> it was like 70-30, and it was actually historically worse than most of the other go-rounds. Yeah. Do you have any thought about that? You know, I've been here when we've had pushes to get constitutional conventions before, and there wasn't that much coverage of it. It was kind of an afterthought, it feels like. And this this one was so large, the push felt so large this time around, that I did think the number would be higher, but it was not. Do you think we in the media made a mistake by over-covering it? I don't think so. I mean, I think it's interesting, and I think there there was more of a concerted effort this time around to make it uh, something that we should cover. One of the things that was interesting, one of the reasons that, that I argued for more coverage, and so if I was wrong, I was wrong, but there were a couple of polls that showed the yes vote on a constitutional convention was topping 40%. Hmm. And maybe what happened, and this is what the yes people were saying after the election, is there was so much money spent Mm -hmm. by the no people. They raised millions of dollars. And you could not watch television, listen to the radio, go on Facebook without seeing an ad that said, vote no, this is the craziest, most dangerous thing ever. Mm -hmm. And they also put together a coalition of organizations, labor, business, Mm -hmm. politicians, to make the same argument that a yes vote was a potential disaster. Maybe it would have been closer without all that money and all that effort. I'd be curious to see. You know, it it was... It was definitely like a campaigned event and money spent on it. So I would, I'm curious to see how it would have turned out otherwise. We'll never know. Never know, but. <laughs> but the yes people were definitely surprised by the margin that they lost, lost by. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a pretty stunning setback for those who wanted a constitutional convention. One of the issues that came up, and maybe that was bad timing or bad strategy, but it definitely got uh, tied up in the abortion discussion, the national abortion discussion. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because Alaska has this privacy provision in its constitution that's mm-hmm. been used to make abortion rights quite clear, right? Right. Yeah, it's about, all about privacy. And so if abortion rights were going to be threatened, I'm not suggesting that's the only issue. Uh, there's no evidence of that. I'm just saying that it de- definitely got caught up in that. People were talking oh, yeah. about it. And maybe that was also part of the problem. But it was a it was a blowout. By mm-hmm. what, however you look at it, that was a blowout. Mm-hmm. And now, not for another 10 years, right? I can't remember anymore. It's 10 years. <laughs> it's Every 10 years. 10 years. So oh, man. in 10 years, we'll go at it again and... 
I don't know if I'll be covering it, but <laughs> <laughs> but in ten years, that's that's your next chance. At it. Uh, one thing we should say is there are opportunities to amend the Constitution through uh, ballot issues mm-hmm. every election. It's just one issue at a time. If you mm-hmm. do it that way, it's not rewriting potentially the whole Constitution. Right. So, any more thoughts as we go, as we get ready for? Thanksgiving Eve, which is kind of a strange <laughs> thing to make oh all these people gosh. stick around right? until the night before. Oh, and my then... gosh. I think we still have a long way to go. I think uh, listening to some of the posturing since the election, I think uh, I think we're in store for some more stories before election, before Christmas, or before Thanksgiving. That's right. That's one other thing. I almost forgot to bring it up. The Kelly Shabaka interview with Steve Bannon yeah. from a couple of days ago on his War Room show. Um, that was an interesting. You you watched that, and I watched that. It's an interesting message that she was sending to the people who watched that show. Yeah, I mean, she's still asking for money, and. Essentially, a campaign's over, but it was all about, you know, needing money for the lawsuits that could come. And she talked about the Murkowski dynasty and how rank choice was put in to keep the dynasty in. And so uh, she said, essentially, we're in for a long haul. She even used the term shenanigans, Mm -hmm. implying that something is going on behind the scenes to steal the election from her. Mm -hmm. And Steve Bannon and she both agreed that... It should just be over and she should be the winner mm-hmm. because she is leading by almost 3,000 votes now. But again, we still have some absentee ballots to be counted. And it's not as if this system is not something that was approved all the way along the line, including by voters. I right. wasn't here, but. Yeah, we, I mean, it wasn't some weird system secretly put in place. You know, we did vote for this to happen. I think, um, you know, some of the pitch to Alaskans at the time was it would keep the far right and the far left from winning um, primaries, and it would force everybody to reach out to people that maybe they don't speak to all the time. Um, so I think, um, you know, Murkowski probably would have a hard time in a primary. She did when she ran against Joe Miller. She lost that and had to do the the writing campaign. Um, but I think in the Steve Bannon interview, it's a suggestion that something was put in place and not like we hadn't voted on it. Right. And the other thing that I thought was interesting is that Steve Bannon referred to how difficult it was to understand it. And he said, at one point, you need to have a degree in (laughs) astrophysics from an Ivy League school in order to understand the ranked voting system. It's obvious that there were a lot of questions about how it worked when this began. Right, absolutely. So it's not unfair to say that people had a learning curve this time around. But we didn't come across very many, if any, complaints at this stage that people didn't understand it. Right. There's a difference between not liking the system because it does drive, yeah. yeah, because it does drive it's designed to drive voters to a middle choice, and maybe right. that's a bad idea. Right. People would argue that. I think that was, I think that was the heart of Kelly Chewbacca's argument. It certainly is the heart of Sarah Palin's argument. Mm-hmm. But when you use the word shenanigans, you're maybe implying something more than that. Right. And we haven't come across any shenanigans. No, yet. and and you spent election night, and Mike Mason, our other investigative reporter, had spent election night looking for problems. Right. And the problems were 
things like two precincts in two small western villages didn't have poll workers that morning mm -hmm. and didn't open. And they opened later in the day. But again, we've got – if you have an issue of – if you find some sort of um, questionable election – shenanigans you can t you can uh, email us at two investigates at ktuu.com and i'm not saying that in jest we would look oh absolutely we would yeah. look at it uh, but we haven't heard about that and we haven't seen it and there's been no evidence presented and we'll see on november 23rd how this plays out again i know a lot of the conventional wisdom is that lisa murkowski will win somehow because 10 percent of the vote was for a democrat and those people are most likely to choose Her second. Murkowski yeah. second, but there's no guarantee. And nope. and as Chewbacca pointed out in in her interview with uh, Bannon, almost always the first the person who's leading in the first round wins the second time. Mm -hmm. Now we know there's a there's a issue with that here because of who the third place person is and how many votes they got. But it's going to be counted, and if there are shenanigans, we are here. To follow the shenanigans. <laughs> we want to know if there are shenanigans. Um, but uh, so far, we haven't seen any no. significant shenanigans. But you're open to investigating Absolutely. shenanigans. All right. That's all we need to know. <laughs> so we will be back. Um, I don't know if we'll be back with another podcast before November 23rd, but maybe we will. But we certainly will be back, shenanigans or none, <laughs> to report on who wins the final rank choice uh, count. And uh, I caution everyone to not make too many assumptions until the votes are actually counted. Because yeah. anything can happen given the math and the numbers that we've looked at. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Let as always, let us know, either through email or through Twitter, uh, what you think of this, because we want to know. Absolutely.